Legally Sound Smart Business presents Behind the Buy. This seller, I swear he does not know what he's doing. Yeah, okay, that was a mistake, obviously. Literally kill the business now that he's moved away. That will be required to be signed. He already told his staff that he's selling the urgent care. Let's just look at this. So I'm surprised he would just do that. I just don't see how that would be good for anyone. Legally Sound Smart Business, where your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stomp, cover business in the news and add their awesome legal twist. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast brought to you by Pasha Law PC, a law firm representing your business in California, Illinois, New York, and Texas. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub. All right, this is our fifth episode of Behind the Buy, where we are covering a transaction from beginning to end with our client buyer. My name's Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. And I think this one, <laughs> this was interesting because I, th- our buyer was jarred on this one, right? I, I think to this point, the ups and downs were pretty, pretty uh, uh, tan- uh, I should say, palatable by our client. But this one, I, I, you could tell even on this phone call, she was, uh, she was a little annoyed. Yeah, and some of the previous calls, I mean, there's been some some minor things that have come up, and maybe a little bit even more than minor. She's been relatively fine, but this, <laughs> she was definitely concerned about this one, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, a possible thing that could just kind of blow up everything. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, th- I would say this is the most material issue we've come across, even more so than the, the whole lease situation. Right, and so without giving anything away, because we're going to play the call here in a minute. I should set up the premise that okay, so we are we've signed the LOI, we're in this due diligence period, and we're exchanging documents. You know, we're we're, we're still basically finishing up and drafting the asset purchase agreement, which is by the way one of our vocab words again. We use that term asset purchase agreement APA. That's the actual agreement, the purchase agreement that we're utilizing the, in this, and it differentiates between a just a regular equity purchase or uh, agreement where we're actually buying the equity in the business. In this case, in an asset purchase, we're buying the assets. And so in this process of buying the business, we as the representing the buyer and the buyer wants to make sure that the business continues as normal. Once the business is purchased, we want to continue with the success that it's had in the past. And so anything that disrupts that is a risk to the transaction. So from the seller's perspective, they don't want to risk any kind of disruption of business. And from the buyer's perspective, that once they buy the business, they don't want you know to it all all of a sudden to fall apart. And I guess that's the that's the kind of uh, queue up of of the call is is something happens on this call that risks that from happening. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, it's, from looking at it on both sides of the of the coin, this you know the seller doesn't want anything to happen, like you said, because it could blow up the whole deal. There's contingencies in place, and if those aren't met, buyer might back out. And then on the buyer side of things, I mean, if 
they go through with the transaction, they they don't want any. I mean, there's always going to be issues to deal with at the beginning once the transaction is finalized, but they don't want anything major that's going to disrupt the entire operations and possibly possibly submarine things from you know the get go. Right, and so hopefully we come up with a solution here. This is a short call, so. Let's see. Let's let's have it. I think we just have one more or one or two more vocab words to go over, and we'll play it. The first is UCC lien. I think we. I feel like we've covered that before, but just in case that uh, again, when there is some kind of lender involved or some third party financing, and someone wants to make sure that their collateral is protected, they can actually file a lien with the respective state, and that's called a UCC lien. UCC meaning Uniform Commercial Code, and you don't need to know too much about that other than it's if you have a UCC lien on the business and you're buying a business, you probably want that UCC lien removed before you buy into it. And then the next vocab word is basically assuming an agreement. When you, We use the term assumption of an agreement or assuming an agreement. All that means is that when you're buying a business, whether you're going to be assigned or assume or, in, in other words, take over that agreement or that contract uh, after purchasing. And so look at it this way. When you're assuming an agreement, you're assuming all the rights and liabilities. So rights meaning the rights that you may have, but also the liabilities that go with it as well. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the a way to kind of look at it would be I don't want to confuse people, but just the it's equivalent to like an equity purchase in a sense of you're taking on everything. Right, exactly. So let's get into the call. It's a short call, but it's it's packed with a lot of content and a lot to discuss. So we'll be back in a minute. Hey guys, thanks for getting on the call. No problem. No problem. So uh, what's going on? This seller, I swear he does not know what he's doing. Apparently he already told his staff that he's selling the urgent care. But obviously, we need operations to continue as is until we purchase. Yeah, okay. That was a mistake, obviously. I just don't see how that would be good for anyone. Exactly. And we can't have any bad experiences for patients because like one bad review or something in that community will literally kill the business. Okay. So do you know what the reaction may be? I don't really know that yet. But um, the main issue now is that one of the main people there uh, is a PA, a physician's assistant. And I'm gathering from different conversations with the seller that she's pretty, you know, integral in their whole day-to-day operations now that he's moved away. Okay. Let's just look at this. So in our purchase agreement, we usually have a whole section about continuing the business as is and limiting communications to employees, uh, even unless necessary, just for that reason. So I'm surprised he would just do that, even though we hadn't signaled a deal yet. Like I said, I really don't think he knows what he's doing. Um, But the good thing is that I think the seller wants to make sure everyone has a job after the purchase. And I told him I can't guarantee that, but I am willing to make sure that his PA stays. And I think that she can really help in the transition. Um, So I don't know what the seller has told anyone so far, but I really want to lock her in now so that when I buy the business, I can keep who I want and, you know, go from there. What do you guys think? Yeah, so we can we can actually make the PA part of the deal. Now, we obviously can't force anyone to work, but if she's just like how we did with the landlord, if, if she's willing to sign an employment agreement, we can make a contingent upon closing that she has to sign an employment agreement, even making an exhibit part of the deal. Right, and keep in mind, too, that usually an asset purchase agreement, uh, the seller will terminate 
employees and in some cases spells out what the buyer's supposed to do after close. So for example, it could be something like the buyer's required to rehire all the employees or usually it specifies that the buyer has no obligations to rehire any employees. I mean, so I'll probably hire everyone who wants to continue in the short term, but I just want, you know, a commitment from the PA if that's possible. Right. Okay. So we'll probably still leave it out as a requirement. I don't want to obligate you to hire anyone, uh, you know, besides the PA, just in case, you know, during the escrow period, there's someone that may, may not be a good fit or what have you. Uh, so we'll draft an employment agreement and we can actually make it a part of the exhibit of the APA itself, the purchase agreement at closing. And that will be required to be signed by the employee. Or, I mean, we can just maybe, I mean, you can leave it open too if you just want to negotiate separately, but I, I think we should include in the APA. Yeah, and this will ensure he continues to maintain the business. Um, we do have a provision in the purchase agreement that requires him to do so and prevents him from entering into certain material contracts uh, without your consent. Okay, that's that's good. So let's make that change, and then I think we should be ready to sign soon, right? Yeah, I think we have pretty much everything. So, Matt, this Friday we, we should be able to get this to her? Yeah. Okay, Friday, and then we can send it to you, and we can also send it uh, directly to the se- seller if you want for him to review. Uh, yeah, once you guys are ready, you can just send it directly to him and his broker slash friend slash whatever he is. <laughs> yeah, right. I forgot he's still in the picture. So, yeah, we, we'll, we'll get that out to you. Okay, thank you so much for getting on that so quick, and I know it's late. Yeah, no problem. I mean, Matt, do you, before we go, do you have anything else? Yeah, there was something else. The, I sent you a list of agreements. We just need to confirm which ones we're assuming. So right now, it's just the lease, provider agreements, and an agreement for an EMR software that you want to keep. That, that's it, right? Yeah, he's going to pay off the equipment lease at closing and make it part of the asset purchase. Um, and it's just an extra machine. Okay, great. I'll make note of that. Uh, that will clear up the UCC lien we found, but we have to make sure that the lessor does that on payoff. Okay, great. All right, guys. Have a great night. Yep, you too. Okay, welcome back. Uh, that was ooh, that was a doozy. So, unfortunately, this is what happens. You can't trust your sellers sometimes, and this uh, seller definitely went left the cat out of the bag, so to speak, right? Yeah. Before we get to our commentary, though, we do have to thank our sponsor, uh, and I, I, I can't stress this enough. I mean, this is why, how we're able to do what we do. Uh, who, who's our sponsor, uh, Matt, if you can kind of elaborate for us. This is episode five. So, oh, okay. Today's sponsor is Poshala PC, uh, a business law firm that's operates in California, Texas, New York, and Illinois. Great. A repeat sponsor. We like that kind of uh, continuation. So uh, Poshala Law, of course, started in San Diego in 2008. Has it been 2000? Yeah, 2008 or so. Yeah. So um, we, of course, thank them. They're, uh, we definitely uh, recommend them very highly. Yeah. But that's a little biased, though, right? I mean, slightly, yeah. Just because they're our sponsor. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if they, they paid us to say that, so I guess we have to disclose that. But, well, I would say I would probably say the same thing if they weren't, weren't our sponsor, but, you know, maybe not on the podcast. I wouldn't put it out there, you know. Yeah, so even though it was a very short call, it, this opens up so many issues when you're buying a business, and most of it has to do with the employment issues, right? How do you deal with employees when you're buying a business? Right, and we we sort of buried the or we didn't bury that we sort of hit the ball 
in the prior to the call and we were discussing it, but, you know, in general, there could be a slew of different things that, you know, could possibly blow up a deal like this. But the, I'd say the, the employment, what happened here or, or what was contemplated here is probably going to be one of the more significant things that could, because if there's, if there's anything involved with employee morale or especially key employees, like the case was here, it's, it's just going to be bad for, for both sides because the, like you, like we said before, the transaction might fall through because the seller can't live up on their end of the deal. Or on the flip side, the buyer is going to have to deal with a bunch of disgrunt, possibly disgruntled employees. So it's kind of a, a lose-lose that needs to be turned around. Right. And I would say even if, even if a buyer or a seller is confident that employees in general are not going to be put off by the perspective of being purchased, it still are pretty much our standard recommendation that you don't want to tell your employees or employees to find out about the transaction until they need to. Sometimes you can't avoid it. Like, for example, if they're doing, if you're doing a lot of heavy due diligence, part of your due diligence may be interviewing employees. But you would, you would put that kind of due diligence as far back as possible because this is a couple of things. One is that if the, from a seller's perspective, the transaction doesn't go through. Now all the employees know that you're selling and the prospect of selling. So, and even if they're okay with that. You don't know how people are going to react. People have, a, you know, there's just uncertainty with what's going to happen next. What's the new, even if they know that their job's going to be kept or not, maybe they don't know. Maybe they're all going to be fired. You don't, we don't know that. But even if they feel like they're going to be kept, they maybe have anxiety about, okay, who's the new boss going to be? Or what, how is my job going to change? Am I going to have to, I've been, you know, being able to come late every day. Now do I have to be on time or, or strict strict hours, or I'm going to have all these new policies that I'm not used to. Yeah, and unless the employees just absolutely despise the the owner, there's going to be some, like you said, some anxiety, you know, concern. Even for even if it's a small business where the reason that they're even to the point where they can sell is because of the employees. Right. because you just never know. There's there's just an unknown. You don't unless I guess unless the well, no, I was going to say unless the the buyer was from within, but even in that case, you know, you you could know somebody within the company, they might per- do the purchase, they might be the buyer, but you don't know how they're going to run the company. It's a completely different dynamic. Correct. And in this case, it seems as though it's a little uncertain. We'll have to wait until next time to figure out exactly how the employees are going to be reacting, but we did find out some key information here that there is a key employee in this transaction that, and this this is common in a lot of small businesses, and so it's not unusual here, but you'll often find that there's a key person in, in someone's business that without that person, the business would likely fail or without it being adequately transitioned or replaced. Because in the sense, you know, most people are replaceable, but this person in particular, it seems like based upon what the uh, our client was saying and what she got from the from the seller, was that this uh, physician's assistant is pretty much the backbone of the business. And if she has anxiety and if she leaves because she's, you know, or she starts looking for another job because she thinks she's going to lose hers, then that may disrupt business and may not be good for both seller and buyer. Yeah, we've... we've already hit on this a few times, but it's it affects both sides. But any key figure is going to be paramount for closing this transaction because you know you can lose you, know, you can expect some attrition maybe with 
the you know the lower level employees but you need those key people because the there's always there's already going to be a, a a learning curve for the outside buyer that's coming into the fold but you need someone who's been in there day in day out and also overseeing people to, to continue to do that it's going to save you as the the new buyer or the new owner so much time and, and money as well yep absolutely so okay so let's go over what are some options with employees uh, when you're buying a business? I think the first thing is we need to talk about how employees are treated in an asset purchase agreement. Because here, that's where we're, in this transaction, we're dealing with that. If it was an equity purchase, it's a lot more simple in the sense that you're you're stepping in the shoes of the, uh, of the tax ID. And so there's no necessity to change the employees. It's just, you know, status quo, so to speak. And you can just go on as business as usual unless you want to make some changes. With an asset purchase, it's a little bit more complicated just because you have an employee that works for one entity and then after the purchase, they're for another entity. And assuming you want to continue on with employment. And in pretty much every asset purchase agreement, the, the seller is going to agree to basically fire all their employees at closing. <laughs> that seems strange. And if you communicate it poorly, you can, and maybe if you want to pull a Michael Scott and, you know, joke around a little bit, you can basically say, okay, I have some good news and bad news. The good news is that we're selling the business. The bad news is that you're all fired, right? Because, but literally that's what happens in an asset purchase. And the reason is, is because the new buyer with its new entity is going to most likely, if everyone's going to be retained, rehire all those employees on day one. And of course, in that transition, there's a lot of different options and different things that can be done. Yeah, and, and just from just to to be clear on the the legal reason why that is for the asset purchases, I guess the the entity that all the employees worked for is still going to exist, but it's not going to be operational. So, from a legal standpoint, they have to be hired by this new entity that the buyer has has set up. So that's the only reason that is. If, you know, people might get a little bit perturbed by that, but it's. I mean, I guess if they want, if the other option is to stay employed by uh, an entity that's not even generating any money. So, I mean, it. I guess that's up to them. Right. I mean, it depends. Obviously, the the reason for the, them selling uh, the business, but yeah. Right. So, right. And, and if you can imagine going back to this phone call, you can see why this can also add to the anxiety because even if they're being rehired, that means that there could be a different payroll system. The new employer has to do different policies, all that stuff. You, like, you, like little things like you have to set up auto pay or not auto pay. What is it called? Uh, ACH uh, direct deposit with all the new employees again. So there's there's more paperwork and more kind of logistics that you have to go through. And so, again, more the reason why you want to make it as, as smooth as possible and delay the communication. And if you are going to communicate it, often what you want to do is communicate it together with the seller in the sense like, hey, let's have a meeting with the employees and let's tell them together, we're selling the business. Hi, I'm the new buyer. Um, we're going to try to make this transition as easy as possible, et cetera. But sometimes that's not the case, right? Because the other option of not of hiring the employees is not hiring all the all the employees and maybe cutting down terminating or coming in with a whole new workforce yeah and i think that's what upset our our clients so much in this situation because not only did the seller go rogue and just tell the employees the, the our client had even made a final decision on 
retention for all the different employees. I mean, obviously there was some that she definitely wanted to keep and needed to keep, but you know, she <laughs> she didn't want to want that out there before she had even made her decision. So you can understand why someone in that situation would not be happy with how things played out. Correct. And and this is what this is something that is not on the call, but I don't think we recorded this, but what we ended up advising in her and other others as well is that in order to, it's kind of tough to make those employment decisions right away anyway. And so unless in it's different circumstances, we, we usually suggest that even if you know you're overstaffed, for example, or even if you know you have some individuals that you think that you may not be a good fit, it's not it's not the worst idea to just hire them anyway, give it 30 days, 90 days until you can really evaluate the business and and, and how you're going. At the same time, if there's someone that you know is just a bad fit, the best time is probably in that transition because because then you don't have also wrongful termination issues because you don't have an as a buyer you don't have an obligation to hire somebody and so if the seller is terminating them in course of their sale of their business and you don't hire them it's very hard for an employee to somehow say hey you didn't hire me because of some wrongful discrimination case, or if you hire them and terminate them later, then they may be able to perceive some kind of wrongful termination that they should have been kept as an as an employment as an employed uh, person at, at the company. Yeah, and and I think that's great advice because, like you said, you minimize the your exposure from a liability perspective and any sort of you know wrongful termination case, but also. Like you said, there, you know, if, if as long as an employee's not a completely bad apple, there is some value in keeping them on, at least even if it's for short term, because again, they're they're the one that's worked there, and they're gonna at least have some some working knowledge of what they're supposed to do for their role, and um, you know, I guess they've they've even been there longer than the actual buyer has. So, you know, there there typically is some value, but like you said, if if there is someone who you you know is not gonna be a good fit or going to be a problem, the time to do it is, you know, I guess day zero, assignment day one, it's before things even start. Correct. 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 Definitely. Okay. So, so those are the couple options, but let's talk about what we had in this case. So besides the other employees, we, we kind of focused on this key employee and let's say it's the opposite that it's not that you want to get rid of somebody. You want to make sure that this key employee stays with you. And so I, and this call went pretty quick, so I, I think it's it's worth kind of elaborating a little bit. What we did in this case, and what we were proposing, and hopefully, you know, that's what our buyer was going to propose to the seller, is that okay? Let's make the employment of this key employee part of the deal. That part of the deal and the contingency to close is that this key employee has to commit to an employment being employed by the new employer because. You know, you, I, I, th- I think I even made the comment, you can't force somebody to work. And so you could come in, buy the business the next day, the employee leaves. And that could still happen even with an employment agreement. But if you get that commitment, start talking to that key personnel, hey, I'm buying the business. Uh, I want to hire you under these terms. Are you okay with that? And then you get that buy-in from that key employee and gives you some assurances that on day one, you're going to have some transition that is smooth from uh, one day to the next. And I, yeah, I think you mentioned this before, but the this this is part of the or this should be part of the due diligence stage as well of kind of identifying who those key people are and then discussing with them too, kind of the intentions and the expectations moving forward. So, 
I think that was the <laughs> I think that was the plan for our client in the situation. It just got uh, bumped up and kind of short notice based on what the seller did. Right. But I, you know, she, we she scrambled and we you know we ultimately I think she we came to a resolution that worked for her. Yep. So and then and then I would note that this isn't wasn't applicable because we're uh, this transaction was in California, but often we also address non competes. And the reason you do that is that uh, once a an employee is fired, right, or terminated through the asset purchase, a lot of times in other states where you have these non-competes, those non-competes will be triggered. And so you have to make sure that, uh, number one, is that within your agreement, you're not violating, the, the employee is not violating the non-compete by being hired by you as the buyer. But not only that, is that sometimes where you may want these non-competes in there, but the previous uh, seller didn't have them. And so you may want to include them with all the new employees. And that may be part of your onboarding process or maybe part of when you hire the employees again or in part of the actual transaction. But it wasn't applicable because, again, if anyone doesn't know, non-competes are pretty much not even tolerated anymore in California. It's, a, it's a very, very restricted. Right, exactly. But yeah, it's definitely a consideration outside of- For employees. Yeah, outside of the state. And then I think the last thing, Matt, that I, I, I want to make sure we cover is uh, PTO, right? So yeah. this is applicable in California and, and not every state, but in California, you actually have to pay out your paid time off for, or vacation pay for your employees at time of termination. So of course, you know when you're terminating all your employees as a seller, you actually have to pay that out. Yeah, that's and I think that's- I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that's something that goes unnoticed sometimes. Just not even it's one of the last considerations. But you know, depending on the size of the company and the longevity of uh, or the tenure of how long employees have worked there, I mean, it could be it could be a pretty substantial payout. So right. you know, of course, it's it's negotiable with with uh, with the buyer. And but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a. I think it's one of the last considerations that probably get look, looked at, but it's still a it could be a pretty major major factor. Yeah, and 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 usually it's the seller that forgets that, right? Because, it, it, like you mentioned, that it was it's it is negotiable, so it is not uncommon for a seller to say, "Hey, look, I have X number of hours that I need to get pay off." So either either you offer that continuation with the employee to accrue those to keep those accrued hours, or how it usually works is that even if you agree to uh, uh, accrue it, is that you pay, um, you pay the you you offset it from the seller of how much you're paying them to, so that the seller can actually pay their employees out at termination. That's usually how it works. But I've seen both ways. The, the problem with continuing the accru accrual is that you need that signature or that agreement from the actual employee. You can't do that automatically. Right. Yeah. Because they're going to have. You know, absent their them agreeing, they're you know they're going to be entitled to whatever the the number of hours that that pay for that. So, yeah, definitely something that needs to get uh, sorted out. <laughs> well, I guess it doesn't need to get sorted out, but it should, it should. get sorted out prior <laughs> yeah. to finalizing everything. That's right. So let's see. So I mean, we talked about the options of hiring, firing certain employees, keeping key employees, handling PTO and that transition, making sure that you. You, you keep the employment personnel calm. Usually that's the seller's job. Usually the seller is the, in the one that has the most interest with that, which is why this is unusual. And I think that's why 
our our client basically described as a seller not knowing what he's doing because yeah like that's not an I think you commented that's not in anyone's interest but that's what he did so that that's where we're at so far but besides that we also just mentioned a couple things we are at this point of the of the series or at this point of the transaction we are still compiling the asset purchase agreement what we're doing is we're gathering these documents we're seeing which agreements that we want to assume and take over because as an, in an asset purchase, it's basically piecemeal. It's like a buffet. Okay, what do I want to take and, and what is a seller willing to keep, keep themselves so that I don't have that liability? And there's a few key agreements that we talked about in the beginning of the series like provider agreements and maybe some other vendor agreements that we want to make sure that we retain. And then also... We talked about the x-ray machine and these liens that we need to make sure that we identify in the agreement so that it gets all cleared up by the time we, we want to close. Yeah. Okay. So this, this is usually the point of the episode where I have to, we ask for positive reviews, but I do have an announcement to make on that, and it's not good. This past four or five episodes, we've been asking you to leave positive reviews on Spotify. I was just informed that Spotify has no review process. I, at least we can't find it. So um, on behalf of the podcast, on our sponsors, I, I, I do apologize. Well, I thought that the news was going to be more dire than that, but I think we could live with that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't like to disappoint. So, But that doesn't mean that you, <laughs> you, you can't leave positive reviews on other platforms, right? I mean, that's oh, I think we, we, we've talked about this. Is, it is a requirement in exchange for listening to this podcast. You agree legally to, and legally bound to leave a positive review on the other platforms. Yeah, and I've confirmed that other platforms do allow for leaving reviews. So I think we should be squared up there. Okay, perfect. Very good. So in joking aside... Because it's well, first of all, it's not a joke. You have to leave positive reviews. Feel free to also reach out to us. We're very active active on social media, uh, whether it is on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And you can always email us your comments and questions on this episode or previous episodes, or if you just want to say hello, info at legallysoundsmartbusiness.com. And of course, thank you so much for listening. It's really uh, we, we love doing this, and I hope you're enjoying this series. Yeah, we we were pre, really appreciate it. That, that that didn't sound genuine. I don't. You know, <laughs> I, well, I, I stumbled feel, on my I stumbled on my words. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you were like you were you're hesitant to to thank our audience. Um, but yeah, I guess that's just the difference between you and I. I I really do, you know, honor our our, our listeners um, in yeah. a way that is just very difficult for you to match. But yeah, um, <laughs> good cop, bad cop. But, <laughs> Either way, thanks for joining us, everyone. Tune in next episode where we find out what happened to our buyer after this whole employment issue comes up and also what happens with this key employee. Are we going to be able to get this key employee locked in and roll in for when we purchase this urgent care? Yep. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. Next on Behind the Buy. Violating their trademark or something, so I'm a little worried about this. I know it's a mess. Probably wouldn't do that. I actually think there's some opportunity here. So, well, let's get into that. You just listened to Legally Sound Smart Business with Asar Pasha and Matt Staub. For more information about the podcast, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. This podcast is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date. 
and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening to or engaging with the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is produced for entertainment and educational purposes only. Do not rely on the information on this podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and does not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. This podcast may contain portrayals of clients by non-clients, reenactment of scenes and persons which are not actual or authentic, and depictions which are a dramatization.